Welcome to episode 30 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf in downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and I'm joined today by Katie, my co-owner and frequent podcast contributor. Today, we'll be talking about becoming educated readers and what that means in light of current events, specifically last week's Charleston shooting. But before we get started, um, I wanted to ask our listeners and friends if you have a moment and if you enjoy the show to rate and rank us on iTunes. You can do that really simply um, by going to our link in the show notes and um, rating us, giving us um, however many stars you think we are worthy of, and maybe giving us um, a brief description or review. Uh, We would really appreciate it. It helps spread the word about the podcast and kind of lets other people know about us. So if you've got a moment, click the link in the show notes, go on over to iTunes. You can even um, rate and rank us using your phone. So it's pretty easy. Um, But anyway, thank you so much. Hey, Katie. Hey, Annie. How are you? Pretty good. Um, So I thought this week it would be worth our time to discuss um, the Charleston shooting, but specifically what we as readers can do. So I thought about this after on Instagram, you know, and I'm sure on Facebook too, um, all these conversations kind of started coming up and I saw on Shauna Nequist's Instagram, Shauna is one of uh, my favorite faith writers and I think we've talked about her on the podcast before, Um, but Shauna's Instagram had a picture, I think, of the Charleston church and then it said, she said that she was heartbroken by the events in Charleston and she wanted specifically to know what books she should be reading about the racial, the history of racism in America. And I thought that was a really interesting request and, and maybe worth our time to discuss since that's kind of an area of expertise we might have. Um, I know sometimes we can feel helpless when events like that happen and maybe kind of tell listeners what we have read or what we want to read. Um, you know, people like Shauna who might want to pick up a book and maybe do something a little differently. That's a great idea. Yeah, and you know, I think the interesting thing is reading by just the nature of what it is Mm -hmm. um, opens us up to new worlds and new people and makes us empathetic for people in a way that you aren't if you don't read. Right. Um, And so... It's inter- as I was thinking about this, I thought, gosh, almost any book I've read I've, or any great book I've read almost falls under this category. But it sounds yeah. like you're looking more specifically for like history of racism. Yeah, or just what books. I think I worded it. I wrote a blog post about it for our store blog earlier this week, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes because um, Shauna was asking specifically for history of racism. I really think any book that puts you outside yourself mm-hmm. and gets you thinking about people who might be different from you, or which so many good books do, like you said. Um, So when I was thinking, I did try to think specifically about race, just because this Uh is an issue, even before the Charleston shooting, I feel like race for in 2015 is a big issue, which is somewhat surprising. Um, But um, so I started to think of what books would kind of open my eyes or have opened my eyes. So um, one that came up a lot in the comments of Shauna's Instagram post was The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Um, This is one I'm going to read. I've ordered it for the store. I think we have carried it before. Um, It hasn't been out too terribly long, but over and over again, that book came up in the comments um, Hmm. on her post. And I have read about it. It's by a woman named Michelle Alexander. Um, And it looks 
like it would be well worth a read. Um, really recommended by a lot of folks and has received received pretty great reviews when it first came out a couple of years ago. Um, so anyway, the new Jim Crow came to mind as oh, that's one. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other one that I instantly thought of um, was the one our town read for one book last year. Uh-huh. Um, Picking Cotton uh, by Jennifer Thompson Canino and um, Ronald Cotton. And I think we've talked about that one too at length on the podcast because it's one our whole community read. But that immediately came to mind because it sparked such great discussions and conversations about race and injustice and inequality. And it sparked worthwhile conversations in our own community last year. Yeah. Um, And it sounds like I'm not sure what the premise of New Jim Crow is, but I know there's also a number of books on economics. You know, I mm -hmm. think a lot of, um, this is just my opinion, and maybe it's not worth anything, of the racial divide that we're seeing Mm -hmm. is really also an economic divide. Yeah. Um, And so that's something that we're definitely going more towards, you know, more income inequality, which seems to kind of parallel with racial inequality. Yeah. Um, and so I probably think it's worth reading some books on, yeah. you know, how to, how to deal with that and, yeah. and what kind of policies do we need to put in place right. um, to get rid of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think they're related or certainly, mm-hmm. um, I guess is the word correlated, but there, there seems to be some similarities there. Um, cause and effect, I guess. But yeah, and then I guess maybe you sort of touched on this. It, what a tragedy. I mean, it's so hard to imagine. Was this guy 21, the Charleston yeah. shooter? Yeah, you hope that the next generation, that racism has just been wiped out, right. you know, through the younger generations. And But he's so young. How sickening that yeah. that can happen. And I almost wonder if um, the way that technology allows us to narrow in on um, very distinct, small slivers of what we want to read rather mm-hmm. than, you know, you used to pick up a newspaper and automatically all, everybody's exposed to kind of all the same things. Right. And now you could just go to um, what skinheads.com or right. whatever you choose to read and right. not read widely. And I think that's probably a huge tragedy. Yeah, and I think the same is true of visual news. So aside from the internet, there's also television news. Mm-hmm. And whereas you used to just, you know, your family, like I think my family, we always watched NBC nightly news with Tom right. Brokaw. Like that was what we watched. And you could argue, I guess, that those have their own biases, but generally it was just an overview of news stories. It was a 30 minute program. But now if you're conservative, you can watch your own channel. If right. you're liberal, you can watch your own channel. Like there's no yeah. um, nuance to it, which is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, which is why I think reading plays such an important part. And you need to be, like you said, reading widely. Read outside your comfort zone. I think right. there's a big push right now, at least in the librarian's world, but I think it, you know, it also affects the world of the bookseller, um, about reading diversely. Mm-hmm. Reading books by authors who are a different gender and race than you are. Um, I think the push is especially in young adult literature, but I think yeah. the same would apply to adult literature too um and reading by reading not only about characters who are different from you but reading books by people who are different from you sure yeah and so that gets into the interesting debate about the common core and what is a necessary common core in reading and Mm -hmm. what what should we all read because I know growing up in public education Mm -hmm. and having read um To Kill a Mockingbird or those are things that 
yeah, helped shape our race, racial conscience, you know, and, um, and so, yeah, I think it's interesting to look at what are we requiring in schools and and in young adult literature, what's being read. Right. And are we asking them to think outside their boxes Mm -hmm. or are we just cementing the boxes they've already created? Yeah. Um, I know when I was in education school, one of the books, um, for children's literature that we had to read, and I was not in English, mm-hmm. I was social studies, but um, but everybody had to uh, take children's literature, and one of the ones we had to read was The Watsons Go to Birmingham, yeah. 1963, the Christopher Paul Curtis. Yeah. Um, and I thought, I mean, that was such a great, readable right. um, history of the civil rights, mm-hmm. and you know, similar to what we're talking about with the church shooting mm-hmm. in Birmingham. Yeah. Um, or, I'm sorry, the fire. Yeah. <laughs> where I think four um, the African, bombing. Yeah, yeah, the bombing where the four African-American girls died. Yeah. Um, but it was the story of this older brother whose parents, he lived in Flint, Michigan, and they moved down to Birmingham mm. um, to because he was acting out. And it's told from the point of view of his younger brother, who's more of a uh, follow the line, and he doesn't like the way his brother is acting out. So okay. his parents say, you have to go live with your little strict grandmother um, down in, <laughs> in Birmingham. Birmingham. And, um, and yeah, what an eye-opener then to, to come down to Birmingham and see um, what kind of racism is going on down there. And it's such a powerful... Stories, I think, are sometimes even better than textbooks when it mm-hmm. comes to opening kids' eyes, but adults' eyes, too. Like, I think about, um, you know, this doesn't necessarily have to do with um, the racial tensions in America, but um, the number of kids I'm watching come in for summer reading and pick up the diary of Anne Frank, which has hmm. you know, been a required reading book for years, for decades, yeah. but it's opening their eyes to a different group of people and how they were treated and yeah. inequality. And, um, and her, her story is not fiction. Um, but there are lots of great fiction stories too, about that time in history and, and what that looked like. And, um, I just read earlier this year Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. Oh, yeah. And um, I think it won the National Book Award um, for Children's Literature. It's fantastic. And I know we have talked many times on this podcast about whether or not children's literature should be read by adults. <laughs> but it's one of those books that should be read by adults, absolutely. Right. I, I even started stocking it not just in our middle reader section, but in the young adult section, like slowly Uh easing uh it um, up to the front of the store because it's so powerful. And it's written in verse, which I think, you know, makes it hard for some people, but it's actually very readable and tells a beautiful story about how she grew up and doesn't necessarily tackle racism explicitly, Uh but it talks about how she was treated and, you know, what her family looked like. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that, again, that implicit um, just understanding of differences and understanding the fullness of humanity. And um, I guess I'm thinking about after 9-11, this seems like a conversation that we had yeah. because, you know, I I just feel like the black and white thing happened. It's so behind us, and yeah. apparently it's not, and yeah. it really keeps coming up and bubbling up in so many different ways. So it's really not. But it was more understandable to me that the racism against Muslims mm-hmm. after 9-11, because that is a smaller um, minority, mm-hmm. and it's some, it's one that we don't understand as much or don't know as much about in mainstream America. Right. And so um, I had taken a class on women in the Arab world okay. um, around that time and read some great books. Um, one that I brought with me, and actually I don't know that it was part of that class, but it's Infidel. Okay. Um, and it's a story of a girl who grew up in the Arab world. And yeah, just what you're talking about, just it's nonfiction, but what life was like 
at that time, an infidel is by Ayan Yirsi Ali, um, and a woman who has had to live a lot of her life in hiding because of what she is saying hmm. about her home country and um, the struggles that she went through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, such powerful <laughs> um, literature is out there about um, all kinds of cultures. What other um, books are on your list? So I thought of Picking Cotton, New Jim mm-hmm. Crow. I thought about Ghetto Side, which we already talked about on yeah. this podcast. It's one I read earlier this year. Um, after Picking Cotton, um, several people, which this is what's so great about reading and books, but several people had finished it and they were like, what should I read next? Yeah. And um, I told them, well, the new a new book had come out right after one book. So it came out last fall and it was called Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. And he started the Equal Justice Initiative oh. in Montgomery, which is where I went to college. And so I was familiar with him a little bit through that. Um, but it's another one kind of about specifically the justice system huh. um, because a lot of the reading I've done, I guess, was around picking cotton, but you mentioned economics, and I think also the justice system has a lot to do mm-hmm. with racial inequality. And so Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson would be a great one, I think, to put on your reading list. Okay. Um, yeah, I had several, and probably some we've talked about before. One, The Help, I just thought yeah. that was one that had... In a, at least in our community, so many people talking about. Um, I the, think women still talk about that book when they come in the do store. Do they? Yeah, and um, because the new Sue Monk Kid book. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I'm going to forget the title. The um, Invention of Wings. Right. So it came out last year, and so many people who had read the help read the Invention of Wings in their book clubs, and it didn't make everybody happy. I mean, uh-huh. it was kind of a divisive book in our very southern town. Divisive, um, why? Divisive, I think. I think people sometimes don't want to acknowledge the negative aspects of their culture or their history, mm-hmm. and I know there were a couple of customers who that just really rubbed them the wrong way, but Sue Monk Kidd is a southern writer, yeah. um, and so I think she was telling the story how she you know, how she perceived it to be. Hmm. And that's why you should read books. And sometimes they might make you angry. They're challenging. Right. They're supposed to be. But anyway, so that's another one along the lines of the help. Yeah. And I think the secret life of bees was probably there too. um, And had some good undertones on race relations in the South. Um, The color purple was one I didn't think I did my high school English thesis on the color purple. I've never read that. Oh, it's, there are so many different layers in that of feminism and racism. Yeah. Sexism. I mean, just everything. It touches on so many different issues. And, um, you know, I feel like it was a great eye-opener about what it's like to live in poverty in the early 1900s mm-hmm. as a black American. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I, I really thought that went a long way in um, kind of crafting an understanding of another world that was outside of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Yeah, you know, that's... Um, one that my husband and I read when we first started dating. Oh, how fun. Um, because neither of us had read that one growing up and thought yeah. that was probably one we should read. Yeah. Um, so that one, a fiction one that that I just think about a lot is um, Crooked Letter, Crooked Letter by Tom Franklin. I don't know that one. So he's think. a North Carolina writer, but this one took, I think he's from North Carolina. This one took place in Mississippi, um, and it's, um, a mystery novel, okay, but it's about a friendship between a white man and a black man in okay. the maybe late 1970s, mm-hmm. um, and they were childhood friends. And then um, an event happens, and it puts 
I friction, some friction in their friendship. Okay. And then they, you know, have to come together in the end yeah. um, to confront their past. But um, some good kind of understandings of um, their their backgrounds, where it differed and where it was shared, is talked about in there. So speaking of fiction, there, a book came out earlier this year called Welcome to Braggsville. And I was able to meet the author at... Um, the bookseller conference I went to earlier, and he was wonderful. And the book got rave reviews, and Rebecca, our manager, read it. Um, it was one of those in our stack of advanced reader copies. <laughs> I kind of mined that one out. Um, but I thought the premise was really interesting, and now, in light of everything, I'm just wondering if I should also pick it up. But um, the premise is this guy goes away to college out in California at UC Berkeley, and he befriends a few people and he is from the south and I forget what which southern state he is from but um he befriends these um a couple of guys and they wind up coming home with him because they find out there's going to be a civil war reenactment and they want to kind of protest the civil Uh war reenactment and it's kind of a culture clash of these kids from California and this guy from the south and taking them home to the south and what that looks like and um anyway Rebecca if I'm not mistaken really enjoyed it um it was different. I think huh. the narr- their narration was unique. Like mm-hmm. ha- his writing style was unique. Um, but anyway, I'm tempted now to pick that one up. Pick up. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then the only other, I mean, there are so many, so I don't want to say the only other one, but the other one that came to mind for me was um, when I was in high school, my friend gave me the book Black Like Me. Did you ever read I don't that? think so. So a white journalist, um, Underwent, I guess now I think they have a name, like they call it racial reassignment surgery. But this man um, in the 1950s took medication to make his skin darker and then experienced life as a black man, I believe a homeless black man. Like I believe he quit his job or he did this maybe as a journalistic experience. I can't, it's been so long ago now. Um, But she gave it to me and she was like, you need to read this to understand. Oh, wow. And And so... I don't know. Like now, I want to go back and reread it because I feel like did I fully grasp it at eighteen? But um, yeah, or at sixteen, whenever I read it. But anyway, so Black Like Me was another one that came to mind, and I wound up looking it up on Goodreads. I think just to make sure I got the title right. And apparently, I mean, it's extremely popular still, and people oh, still wow. talk about it. So I had not heard of it, yeah. um, except for through my friends. So that might be another one worth people's time. Yeah, and it does that kind of begs the question then are there so we can read about people and think these things all the time but do we need to then take a step beyond that and in our real worlds cross some racial lines and do something different and um and that's what I think is hard you know some of the most eye-opening experiences as (laughs) as like a middle upper class white girl growing up (laughs) I was very rarely in the minority but some of the best learning experiences happen when I was the only white girl, yeah. and I was not at all. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and when you put, I remember because I'm the same way. I mean, I went, you know, I'm a middle class white kid, and but I remember my dad. Um, so, my dad led singing at a all black congregation huh. on Sunday, and so my whole family went. And the way they worshipped was even a little different than I was used to, but it was yeah. so beautiful and so yeah. fun. And um, I mean, and I say fun because it was so passionate, right? And very different. And sometimes till three or four in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah man, they yeah, go we, long. <laughs> they, been there. They go long. Um, but anyway, 
growing up, that was an important experience to have. Right. Um, and so, yes, I think the first step, just because I know so many people, sadly, who don't even read or watch outside their mm-hmm. comfort levels, um, I think that's the first step. And then hopefully it leads you to take a second step, which might yeah. be to interact with a different group of people than you're used to or yeah. to go to different places than you're used to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think reading is only the, hopefully only the first step. And I think, yeah, it just helps you to overcome a fear. Yeah. You know, I think there is a fear of the unknown in anybody. Mm-hmm. And if something is unknown to us, we are not going to approach it. But right. the, you read about it, and all of a sudden it's known to you. And right. so, um, yeah, I think that can be a really powerful thing. Um, so the other thing I wanted to briefly touch on, and I don't know, I think I mentioned this in my email to you about what we were going to talk about today, but Sean and Equist didn't have this request, but I thought it would be worth talking about if you've read any helpful books on grief or on, Mm. um, coping. Um, so I know customers come in the shop frequently looking for books about, or what to do when a loved one is going through, um, a cancer treatment or what happened, what do you read? you know, to get you through moments of grief. And, um, in light of last week, I immediately thought about the two books and I'm a unique person. Like I don't want to read like a five step. Uh I think, I think my mother, um, when one of my grandparents died, I think she read a book that was really helpful about like the five stages of grief. Well, that does not appeal to me. Uh Jordan, my husband would probably say that's a personality type (laughs) issue. Um, but I, my two and there are two books I love, and I didn't even necessarily read them when I was grieving. But um, I love the Year of Magical, a Year of Magical Thinking oh, yeah. by Joan Didion, and then um, a Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. Uh-huh. I think I'm the only person I know where my favorite C.S. Lewis book is a Grief Observed. Nobody, yeah. I feel like nobody ever talks about that one. Um, but it's my favorite C.S. Lewis book because he writes it. Um, in light of his wife dying and it's really powerful and And I've never read it because I think why would I want to make myself sad (laughs) it's it's the first you know it's aside from Chronicles of Narnia I think it's the first full C.S. Lewis book I read um and I wasn't even in a time of grief or anything I just I don't even know if I grabbed it because it was thin and I thought Mm -hmm. oh I can read that but it was so beautiful and well done, and it is sad. Yeah. Um, but anyway, a very powerful story about grief. Yeah. Um, it's uh, So I guess I'm out of the bookseller's world a little bit, and nothing's coming right to mind except when you men- mentioned cancer, or maybe you didn't, but yes. um, is John Green's book. Oh, yeah, um, The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, The Fault yeah. in Our Stars. And I guess just those um, books about... Um, how to talk to people and that once something tragic happens to you, you're right. not just a dead person, <laughs> right. you know, um, right. something bad happens, you are still a very alive person. Right. And so recognizing that in people, yeah. um, I thought that was a great book for, um, and there might be walking alongside. Yes. And yeah. there are lots of others now like that. I think John Green started a uh, yeah, I really do think he did because we feel like we see those books all the time. I just read one that's about to be a movie, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Oh, right, yes. Um, and it, I mean, it's very different from, I mean, people I think now might roll their eyes at books about sick teenagers, or, but just because John Green's book was so popular. Um, but I like John Green, and um, I, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is so different in terms of writing style from John Green. Um, but again, it was one of those things where it, 
kind of opens your eyes to people who are struggling or right um and it like you said it doesn't make, they're still teenagers they're still normal uh-huh. <laughs> um but they're going through something just incredibly tragic and um anyway that's a that was a pretty good book I thought as well but no my personality coping style wouldn't be to not read about grief but to like change focus and do something positive or happy so yeah, I probably would not, would not yeah read happiness project or yes. something like that um, instead of just more more books about right I would, I would fail to acknowledge my grief I think would be the approach um well Katie thank you so much I think this is a worthwhile conversation to have and we would love to know your thoughts as a listener on um what books might have taken you outside of your comfort zone so um we'll put a link in the show notes to the blog post I wrote um which lists some of these books we've recommended today and then um if you would like to contribute to the conversation we'd love to have you you can find us on Facebook um at Bookshelf Thomasville and then perhaps the easiest way to get in touch is through um our Instagram and Twitter at Bookshelf Tville or you can find us online that's where all of our show notes are www.bookshelfthomasville.com See you next time.